Support for IPR comes from Corridor Vein Center and Corridor Aesthetics, treatment for varicose veins and spider veins, also providing facial rejuvenation services and treatment for moderate to severe acne. More at Corridor Vein and Corridor Aesthetics.com. Today is Friday. It's the 21st of July. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. Recent data from Association of American Medical Colleges Research and Action Institute show medical school graduates are less likely to apply for residency slots in states where abortion is banned or drastically limited. This is particularly true for OBGYN residents who were about twice as likely to avoid states with abortion restrictions. Atoll Grover is the executive director of the organization. He's concerned abortion restrictions could increasingly deter other kinds of residents besides OBGYNs. But also, if you think about a specialty like family medicine that does a lot of obstetrical care, particularly in in rural areas, um, we believe that they will also be disincentivized to go practice in states like Iowa. Iowa has one of the lowest rates of OBGYNs per capita in the country. A new Iowa law that bans abortions at about six weeks of pregnancy was temporarily blocked this week by a district judge while it faces legal challenges. Grover made his comments yesterday on IPR's River to River. An influx of federal dollars from the infrastructure bill helped fuel record investment in Iowa's roads and bridges. The Iowa DOT spent just under $1.5 billion last fiscal year to keep the state's roads and bridges safe for road users. IPR's Tony Sarabia reports. The State Department of Transportation says the money was used for 839 projects, including interstates, secondary roads, and urban roads and bridges. Stuart Anderson is Iowa DOT's Director of Transportation Development Division. He says along with continued new road construction, in the coming year the DOT commission will continue to focus on what it calls road stewardship. The commission has been Uh, prioritizing investing funds into pavement resurfacing projects and also bridge investments. And the reduction in poor condition bridges is really a good measure of that prioritization. According to the DOT, since 2006, the number of the state's poor condition bridges has gone down from 256 to 26. More Iowans joined the workforce last month. Iowa Workforce Development says the state's labor force participation rate ticked up in June to 68.7 percent from 68.5 percent in May. That translates to 4,900 people that are on business payrolls. The agency says it was the fourth consecutive monthly increase. Meantime, the jobless rate held steady at 2.7 percent. The Center for Worker Justice of Eastern Iowa has advocated for victims of wage theft, helping workers retrieve lost paychecks. And IPR's Zachary Warren-Smith reports the group is changing up its leadership. If you're familiar with their work, this is probably what you think of when you hear about the Center for Worker Justice. But CWJ's new director, Ayman Sharif, said protests are an obvious tool, but a last resort when an employee says they've been shortchanged. The intention is to better understand uh, a wage issue and try to resolve it in in uh, an amicable way if possible. Sharif says under his leadership, wages are only part of what he's looking at. Housing costs are high, child care availability is low, and he says undocumented residents are in only more precarious positions. According to Common Good Iowa, employers are stealing over $900 million a year from an estimated 250,000 Iowan workers. And those thousands of cyclists who will trek across
across the state next week will face many challenges, not the least of which will be Iowa's summer heat. A heat wave is predicted to arrive right around the time that the Register's annual Great Bicycle Ride across Iowa begins on Sunday. The 50th annual ride starts Sunday in Sioux City and ends next Saturday, 500 miles later, in Davenport. This is here first from IPR News. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. June was among the driest on record for much of the Midwest. That deepened a years-long drought in parts of Kansas and Nebraska, while also spreading dryness east to states like Iowa and Missouri. But so far, July has brought some much-needed rain to parts of the region. Harvest Public Media's Elizabeth Rimbert reports. Ryan Crank is walking into one of his cornfields in southeast Nebraska. He's visiting the fields today, but a couple of weeks ago, he didn't want to even look at the crop. All I really want to do is just, like, go home and, you know, don't look at it. Because it was sickening. It was just absolutely sickening. Deep dryness had scorched his corn. The plants had a grayish hue instead of the usual vibrant green and were just calf or even ankle high when they should have been above his head. It looked like death. And I said, you know, I don't think it's going to see tomorrow. And it's still somehow here (laughs) several tomorrows later. Early July rains provided a lifeline to crops in the Midwest and Great Plains. Now, Crank's corn is taller and greener. I mean, the, the turnaround was magical, is magical, but we need more rain, that's for sure. It'll take consistent precipitation to nourish crops and improve the drought, which has been baking soil and plants for years in portions of the Midwest and Great Plains. The region went into this summer with a lack of soil moisture that many have said is the worst they'd ever seen. Then Mother Nature dealt an incredibly dry May and June, which is when many states can get up to 60% of their annual precipitation. When you miss precipitation during those two months, you know there's going to be trouble. That's Doug Cluck. He's a climatologist with the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. At this point, parts of the Midwest and Great Plains are dealing with a drought that's similar to a chronic cold. Dryness has been lurking for years and nagging at farmers as they've raised their crops and livestock. Just like when you're fighting off a cold, if you go too long without rest, or rain in this metaphor, you flip into full bedriddenness, or drought. And now it will take a lot of rain to ease symptoms. Yes, we're having some rains, but gosh, give it a week, and what we see today is pretty much going to be gone but a lot of it's going to get used up by the plants and everything growing right now. In central Illinois, John Ackerman is thankful for the recent rains. As the drought spread east from Kansas and Nebraska, it got so dry he was worried about being able to plant his pumpkins. We went 50 days without uh, virtually a measurable rain. We looked at the forecast every single day. (laughs) Ackerman ended up planting the seeds much deeper into the soil to help them find the moisture. 
That makes it harder for the plant to grow up through the dirt. But luckily, the recent rains have helped the plants poke above the ground, and helped Ackerman's stress levels. My wife says I'm slightly less grumpy than I've been over the last month, so that's a win. It's a win for the crops too. But Ackerman, who also grows corn and soybeans, says he's still anticipating his corn harvest could be around 30% lower than what he'd like. Lasting dry conditions may hurt harvests across much of the Corn Belt, says Krista Swanson, an ag economist with the National Corn Growers Association. Our top four corn-producing states are Illinois, Iowa, Nebraska, and Minnesota, and virtually all are in drought conditions at some rating. The corn needs steady rains, especially as the crop enters its pollination phase. And come August, it'll be important for soybeans to have moisture. Luckily, there's good reason to be optimistic. Right now, the National Weather Service is predicting more rain for parts of the region. They're also calling for a climate pattern called El Nino, which raises the likelihood of cooler, wetter weather occurring in the middle of the country during late summer to early fall. Doug Cluck says there's potential it could eventually make a dent in the dry conditions. If El Nino kind of gets its act together and we start being influenced by it, We are more likely to see sort of wet conditions across the central U.S., maybe even the north central U.S., and then cooler conditions as well. So in parts of the Midwest and Great Plains, at least, an easing of the years-long drought could be in sight. For Harvest Public Media, I'm Elizabeth Rembert. Harvest Public Media is a collaboration of public media newsrooms in the Midwest and Great Plains, including IPR News, reporting on food systems, agriculture, and rural issues. This is Here First from IPR News. Find this podcast wherever you subscribe to them so you can listen every weekday morning. I'm Clay Masters.